Across the Stream Podcast and its creators, Kip and Kanayon, stand for anti-racism and for being disruptive to bigotry in all its forms. Before, now, and forever, we implore our listeners to listen to learn, learn to care, and care enough to act. Cross the Streams Podcast, Season 4. Kip here solo today. Really excited for the guests we were able to bring on. And I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a minute. But we're kind of going back to our previous format as a podcast where Kane and I would have guests on. We we do the interview and and gain a lot of knowledge and and have great conversation and then post a reacts later. So in this particular instance, Kane can't make the interview, but he's going to come on with Jeff Matsushita uh, from the Idaho Coalition uh, at a later time to react to this discussion because I think it's going to be it's going to be a great one it's going to be so powerful super excited to have our guest on and access to his wisdom and the work he's been doing so Jeff introduce yourself real quick and then I'll get into your bona fides because there's a whole website of them thank you so much I really appreciate the opportunity to join you and your audience and uh, my name is Jeff Pereira and I've been very fortunate to have been doing this work talking to men and young men about our ideas of manhood and what we want that to look like um, uh, since about 2008, so fortunate to travel across North America and give talks and create spaces for conversation around that. And uh, yeah, it's it's looked like a variety of different things. I've spoken to different audiences, including sports teams and uh, athletic departments. And uh, yeah, just excited to share some space and time with you, man. Absolutely, man. I was super super excited about this. And and as you mentioned, I mean, you've been doing the work, you know, over a decade now. Uh, you and you exist in so many spaces. Your knowledge and your thoughts on things. I, I want to really commend you for your bravery because it's you're a writer, you're a speaker. You, it takes courage to do this stuff because men don't like, in my experience, and it's not even close to as long as you've been doing the work. They, they sometimes it's hard for them to look in the mirror, and the one holding the mirror up to them sometimes can be put in the crosshairs. So I really want to commend you uh, for all the different models and, and mediums. These speaker, writer, facilitator, TEDx. Uh, you were lucky. I, Kane and I got to read a couple of your articles that you've written as well. You're you're constant on social media. That's how I actually uh, came across your work and with my teams of men business looking for experts in the field. And I think someone retweeted you or quoted you, and that sent me down a rabbit hole of your postings for a long time. So I appreciate you allowing me to reshare some of your comments um, and some of your you know just some really thought provoking stuff, not just for my team at Willamette, uh, but also for the teams we're working with with teams of men. So you know, I, let's dive down in the first session here how did you get into this space you know it's um people ask me that a lot but how what what is your story coming into this calling so to speak well i'll give you the quick version of it is that um my parents originally are from sri lanka and they moved to england uh they got married moved to england and they came to canada uh a little bit less than 50 years ago and i was born here and um so my father, some of my earliest memories is my father uh, being physically violent towards mm-hmm. my mom, domestic violence, growing up in that situation. And that continued until I was about seven years old. So for me, I was witness to um, the reality of women and girls and what they were going through. And that kind of really tuned me into that. So I became more uh, mindful of it growing up, you know, and um, looking, at, looking and seeing realities in my own life and then seeing the larger as we as you grow up and learn about mm-hmm. society and seeing these other issues and kind of doing the math in my head and putting things together you know but yeah. not just that the other side of that coin is you know what's going on with us for us as men you know because my father 
you know, that was a way he handled situations with, with, with his fists and seeing how that was true in different ways for us as men across the world in my community. I grew up in a, in what we call a priority neighborhood here in Toronto, Canada. Uh, and uh, there were people from all around the world here. And it was, it was a poor neighborhood. And um, so there was a lot of, you know, there was as much as you have in Canada, we have like, you know, rough neighborhoods and gang activity and socioeconomic issues. So seeing how young men navigated all that, you know, there's a lot of violence and um, our ideas, our performances of being a, a young man. And so me witnessing all that um, kind of got me on that journey of thinking about why it is we do what we do as men, mm-hmm. you know, and I learned to kind of love being a man, but I had to, I had to just go on that journey to figure that out. You know, that led me yeah. to doing the work professionally. Mm-hmm. I'm really thankful to, you know, that journey. Like, I don't think of myself as a teacher. I think of myself as a student. Mm. You know, like, we're all, I think we're all students in the classroom of life, you know? It's, yeah. I think the difference is that some of us take better notes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's like, you know, you know, back in the day before, laptops and all this technology. Pen and paper. We just... Yeah, and, and markers, and some people had like different colored markers. So there's always that one student that took the best notes. Yes. So you know, everyone wanted to borrow their notes if they skip class. Yeah. Person, I was always like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't lend just anybody my notes. You know what I mean? Right, right. That. They they made their little charts and their own little way of explaining what the, the teacher was talking about. Yeah. So um, that's I like to think of myself as someone who's trying to be that, but I'm sharing my notes with people, so much like what you do. This, right? We're kind yeah. of like, here's what I've learned. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm learning. And let me share that with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that, you know, that comparison. It's and, and correct me for sure, you know, if, if if there's another place you want to go with it. I really hear you weaving your experiences and finding intersections for people to kind of relate to. Um, yes. And that's, you know, and I think the, the, the stories and, and just the power of that is so great. Uh, I want to make sure we talk about higherunlearning.com. That's your place. Yes, the, the, the main in yeah. it's uh, higherunlearning.com. I'm on the spot right now, you know, the about you. But talk about, for before I even go to there, what was your educational path then, knowing these experiential experiences you had growing up? What was, did you pair it with, okay, I'm going to major and study this, or was it like an accumulation later? Well, you know, like I, I, as a teenager, I was, t- I was tuned into these issues, but I think like for a lot of us trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do, you know, so I, I had different jobs, different nine to five gigs and sales and um, like, you know, cause I'm a speaker and all these mm-hmm. different things. So trying to figure it out, you know, and I ended up having a job here, um, a, a government office position for a number of years. And it was one of those jobs that you could, you know, be in it for a while and, Next thing you know, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, and, and that's beautiful. That's awesome if that's what you do. But, you know, for me, my, I felt like, what's my legacy going to be? What's my mm. impact going to be? I want to impact communities and impact people and, and leave a mark. And I think we all have an impact, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of, I want to own my impact to be one where it's helping people, you mm-hmm. know? So I went back to school at in my early uh, thirty. And uh, I took social work okay. uh, at, at Ryerson University here in Toronto. Uh, but that was where I really figured out what I wanted to do. Because it kind of clicked for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, I worked at the Human Rights Office, again, as a student. Okay. But I had, a, I had a peer role. And because of my, just because of the way I do what I do, like my role, I was almost like a staff member, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, so there was a victims of violence panel 
uh, on the campus. And my boss at the Human Rights Office was on the panel, and it was run by the student union. So the president of the student union, who was male, was in the audience. And he and I were the only two men in the room. Wow. You know? Yeah. So we kind of looked, I remember looking around, and um, I said to myself, like, how do we get more men to hear these conversations? Mm -hmm. Because men are victims of violence too. Right. And it's not all that just that the only part of the conversation is that men are perpetrators. I think men are also fathers and friends and coworkers and teammates and, uh, you know, family. And, and, and we want to work as a family, a larger collective family. Like how do we address these issues? So that's where I kind of put the math together in my head and started that journey and, you know, doing trainings and workshops and, I eventually got to work with a couple of nonprofits, and I do it solo now. Mm -hmm. uh, and just continue to just grow that conversation and how we do it, and trying to really look for discussion-focused spaces, especially because okay. I think that's where we where we share. That's where we kind of learn and grow from each other's experiences. Like yeah. you said earlier. Yeah. No. That's that's it's so it's it's funny that you can go think back to that conference in that space, and yeah. you know, similar for me in, in thinking on a similar vein. Like, man, it's not enough. That it's not my players committing these acts. What if I won? I can't. What if I? What can I point to that had any hand in helping shape that? I think I just got lucky. Their parents raised them a certain way. But how can I be more purposeful and intentional and in following through? And am I really claiming I'm developing men? Is it purely to score baskets? Is that all that I can really show? Uh, so I can think of that moment myself when diving into some of this work. So for you, in, in you know crafting what you do now, was it? Did you have the idea? Okay, I'm going to have I'm going to occupy writer, speaker, facilitator, trainer. Did you start off in one area more than the other, and it kind of expanded? Because I mean, you've got an extensive writing catalog. You've done this presentations. How did you kind of shape your voice with all these different parameters? I, you know, for me, I think it was. I started with speaking. Okay. I started doing because I was already doing trainings as part of the Human Rights Office. I was doing trainings and workshops on a variety of social change, human rights issues. And that was my wheelhouse. It goes mm -hmm. in front of a room with an audience. But really what it was, I realized is that I was able to take these concepts and help people understand, this is what it means for you. Mm. This is what it looks like in your community. So we talk about, you know, you hear phrases like healthy masculinity and all the other phrases that we hear, toxic masculinity, all yeah. this, be over your head. So for me, I think the goal is, well, here's what it looks like for you. Yeah. Here's what it looks like in your community or in your neighborhood. Or I might, you know, what I used to do is I show clips of like popular TV shows or films and give you examples. Like, here's what I'm talking about. This is what it looks like in real time. Mm -hmm. So you can watch and go, okay, yeah, like my, you know, my friend was like that, or yeah. my old coach was like that, or my teammate was like that, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm like that. So yeah. you're able to kind of put a name to things and understand what that means. And I yeah. think that's the time we're at right now. I think. We're in a place now um, where so much is surfacing. Like five or six years ago, what surfaced was the reality for women and girls, like in the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. racial injustice and, you know, racial issues started to surface and the Black Lives Matter movement surfaced. And these aren't new conversations, but it happened in a way where people kind of like all of a sudden stood up all, all across, you know, the States and here in Canada and around the world. So we could kind of see each other, you know? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what happened was that those, those issues surfaced, but then what also surfaced was how we felt about it. Yeah. Like our reaction to it. We either went like, oh, what do we do? Or, yo, that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. Or why are you blaming me, right? Yeah, yeah. So we kind of 
unfortunately have gone into these divides, you know? So I think it's like, I think right now, what I continue to try to do is help you understand, this is what we're talking about. This is what it looks like. And here's how it impacts us. Mm-hmm. And it's not a conversation of shame. It's a conversation of, you know, as, as people, and you know this in the world of athletics, like you, you can only control what you can control. But we got to take ownership as an individual, yeah. as a team. Like, how do we move as a unit? How do mm-hmm. we move together? Yeah. And how do we work with each other, you know? And, and so I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. So for me, the, the speaking moved into writing and continuing sharing those metaphors and, and, and things like that. And yeah, just thankful to still be having the conversation. Well, I love how you talked about showing somebody's its effect personally and on their community. Because in coaching, we've been doing a deep dive as a staff here. And Kane and I have talked a lot about you can't get a full buy-in from a player until you prove this play or this system, how it the, the context affects them. And so in, in branching out and researching the brain, and you're you're exactly right, and that people really won't move until they see that where it is like where what not I don't want I don't want to paint folks as selfish, but you don't get yeah, that action yeah. until they internalize it in one way or the other. So I, I can really that really speaks to me of what you're mentioning and where you found you know your ability whether it's in the writing or the speaking to show effect on me. Oh, yes. now I need to now I need to move. Now I can see what the what what it is, even if I haven't lived that exact experience. So that's that is huge. Where for you, you mentioned and I love the term student for life, right? Constant. Yeah. How do you stay? I found like you know authors or folks that I used in 2012, 13. Not that their stuff wasn't right, but I found like new books or new speeches to supplement and change to stay kind of up to date. You know, just like any industry, there's professional development. How do you do that? I know you're doing a lot of thinking and creating yourself, but where is where are you going for to be further pushed and learn in this field? I think, you know, part of it is when you have that student mentality. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, I recognize that people come to me, you know, for advice and for learning. And I think of it, again, like a good coach is you kind of, you at a certain point have developed your idea of systems, mm-hmm. and how things work, your idea of how people work. But good coaches are still, in my mind, they're still learning. They're yep. still trying to, how can I watch more video, watch more footage? talk to different people, get different perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's also, you don't want to overwhelm yourself. You're supposed to be like, <laughs> yeah. I know what I know. Yeah. Okay, you know, like my, my favorite sport is baseball. Okay. Right. And I think one of the hardest things to do in sports is to hit. Yes. The, you know, 95 mile an hour baseball with a, like a circular, you know, yeah. bat, right. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's wild to think about it. So, you know, you, you sometimes get into a zone and it's very simple but I think you can overthink it and you get your batting coach, you get your teammates, you call, maybe your father used to play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ex college teammates, you get advice from veterans. Everyone's telling you do a little bit of this, a little bit more of that. So you take all that in, but you still need to know who you are. Like know what I am, who I am, what my worth is, what is my skill? What's my value? And you move forward. And I think that, you know, for us as individuals, we're trying to, again, you know, share notes with others. I think that's when you're in that mentality, then you're always hungry to learn and yeah. want to understand more. Um, but still kind of with a sense of here's where it's going. Here's yeah. Where it needs to go, you know, for you before, before we take our first break, I, I've asked a lot of folks that, that do the work professionally for a living. How do you find like rejuvenation for yourself? This is heavy. 
You know, the stuff you do, the conversations I'm sure you exist in, they can they can lead down some really heavy, not dark necessarily spaces, but it can be, how do you get timeouts for yourself? That's a great, I mean, that's a great thing. I think we all need to kind of be wrestling with it, especially as guys. Cause yeah. We talk about self-care. I think a lot of us as men kind of tune out that language like, oh, like, like what kitten video? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm good. I'm good. I'm right. Good. I just need to, I needed to get a quick nap. That's the whatever. standard, right? I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about me. Don't you worry about right. me. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. And I think, I think that when we recognize that, as we're learning more, like you know, within the world of athletics, like how sleep and rest are important parts, you know, rejuvenating. Mm-hmm. So I think right now it's really hard for people who care a lot, open hearted. You know, empathetic, caring people. There's a lot of hurt in the world, and there's yeah. a lot to digest. And I'm not going to lie; I, I spend probably too much time reading up on oh. a lot of the ills of the world. Uh-huh. And I think for me right now, like I read up a lot of, you know, like these groups that are more fixated on hate mm-hmm. than healing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and pointing fingers rather than taking ownership and accountability. So for me, it's like I am still working on that piece of self care, and I think for me, it's recognizing that. I can't be my best if I'm not at my best. Yeah. You know? So self-care is strength. That's part of it. That's part mm-hmm. of the training, part of the, the conditioning, part of your humanity as a man is to take that time to look after yourself and take care of yourself. And um, you're doing it in real time. So as I'm looking out for someone else, I'm also looking out for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. What's my capacity? How much can I handle? Yeah. Because if I'm, if I'm doing it right, I'm not spreading myself thin, mm. you know, like I don't, I don't have too many, too many tabs open. Up, like, <laughs> like I do. I yeah. do right? <laughs> we all do. Right. Yep. But it's like, it's like emotionally, it's like, I don't want to have too much open. Yeah. To spread myself thin between, you know, work and family and, and, and all these different like social, you know, communities that you want to support and be a part of. So it's, yeah, for me, self-care is that continuous finding the harmony. Yes, and all that you know, that continuous harmony. I, 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 the speaking to the reading up and staying up to date on the ills of the world can be such a weight, but it's like necessary. I can't help if I don't know. But if I if That's I know right. too much, I'm paralyzed and just like anger slash pessimism. The whole no, it's I, yeah. I want to. There's so much more to get in. We'll be right back to our after our first break with Jeff Pereira. Across the Stream Podcast and its creators, Kip and Kanayon, stand for anti-racism and for being disruptive to bigotry in all its forms. Before, now, and forever, we implore our listeners to listen to learn, learn to care, and care enough to act. We're back with Jeff, and man, we, we're even off taping. We got so many connections and stuff we're, we're sharing with each other. Let's go here, and I appreciate you providing Kane and I with some feedback on stuff where we can go with the conversation, but I think it'd be crazy for us not to you know, talk about what we're all going through now. You know, the the fight for racial equality and the end to oppression. We're dealing with the pandemic, which I think we'll jump into after the second break. But let's talk, let's like, how can men be allies right now? You know, I think that's a thing that everyone's striving to be. Um, I, Kane and I have talked about it. It's not like I can do an act today and get my ally badge for the rest of my life. And then I'm immune to having to prove it ever again. But talk to me, you know, when you hear these conversations and, and you, you know, you're helping folks, what, what is your thought process around men today trying to fit in this space? I want to help. I want, I want things to be better. How? You know, we, we, it's funny, like you said, we were talking about this during the break a little bit, like our mentality for a lot of us as guys. I think you and I are both like this. 
the initial reaction is, you know, what can I do? But then it's, we go into fixer mode. Mm-hmm. Like, let me get in there and fix it. Yeah. And there's times where you need to step up. But stepping up sometimes also means stepping aside Oof. or stepping back. And it's knowing the difference is the challenge, right? Because I think that when you are in a place where you can help, you want to help. It's knowing that, well, is what I'm doing, is this more helpful or is this complicating things further? Mm. So it's, it's recognizing that sometimes instead of saying, I got this, it's saying, I got you. Oh, right? huge. You know, yeah. I got you. So what yeah. do you mean right now? I got you. So I think, for example, like our white allies, uh, I think white men who, like, you know, some of them are navigating some of the, the shame or the guilt they're feeling around racial injustice. And so they're thinking, their mentality is, well, what do I do? So let me let me get in there and let me fix this. And I got it. Mm-hmm. I got this. But sometimes what it is is you need to kind of step back and think about, well, what's the more important thing here to do? Sometimes it's how can I maybe elevate the voices of men of color? How can I maybe listen a little bit more? And and there's times where you do need to take that direct role and, and take on something. For example, if you're in a room with a bunch of white folks, or if you're in a room as a man with a bunch of men, right? So, and a great example is the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you have a bunch of young players in a locker room and someone says something disparaging about a woman they all know and they all care about. Um, you know, I can't go, you wait right here. I'm going to get my friend with a woman to come here <laughs> right. and give you some thoughts. Yes. Like there, you you got to show up in that moment, right? Yeah. You got to speak up and say something. So I think it's what we're talking about, I think is something that I, analogy I use or a descriptor. I call it, I see you, I feel you, I got you. So I see you as the compassion piece. Like I now I'm hearing about racial statistics. I've seen some horrific videos. I'm, I'm reading these stories. So it's like, that's compassion. Like I'm hearing and it's awareness. I got the data. I have the information. This really, this really sucks. This is horrible. But I feel you is the empathy piece. You go from being aware of these things into from I see you to I feel you. So I feel you means now I get what, but I now I understand what that means, like how that affects you, like how it affects you driving around in a state of fear for, you know, dealing with the issue with the cops. And again, it's the cops, it's a conversation of accountability, a, a conversation about honesty and accountability around what's happening amongst them. So for me, it's recognizing now I understand what it's like. Mm-hmm. So, or for example, for a woman, like I can understand all the statistics, but when it moves into I feel you, it's then the empathy piece. Now I understand how that affects you in the workplace, why there's so few women, you know, in a certain field. For example, sports media, mm-hmm. like how many women, it's a struggle for them to stay in that field. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Right? We know the statistics, but to understand how that affects you at work, how it pushes you out of your, your not just your job but your dream mm-hmm. you know my, you know so how that affects you and then the, i got you is the action piece and that's the the action we can all take yeah you know? and i think really quickly a great example of this is um masai ujiri of, mm-hmm. yeah like, the rap- it, Raptors, it, yep, right? yes yeah in yeah, the game so, after, so, after they won it the video that just came out it yeah it's heartbreaking right because here's an example of i think as a professional in his world there is no I mean, in his personal life, maybe his kids getting married, those are like pinnacle moments. But professionally, there is yeah. no greater moment than when he, the team he assembled, his blood, sweat, and tears 
against all odds, they won a championship. And in that moment, he couldn't celebrate because he just had this experience of racism, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. I think that's a great moment where we can kind of go, you know, I see you, I hear you, Messiah, like racism. Okay, that sucks. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's the reality of being a black man. But then I feel you is now I have a moment where I can understand, wow, like I get it. Mm -hmm. I can imagine how it's like there's footage of him like I remember seeing him on the on the on the court celebrating mm -hmm. but then his energy there was something yeah it was off back of the footage yeah you know and I remember there's a picture of Kyle hugging him right and Masai's energy was off and clearly Kyle's energy was man I got you brother yeah. don't worry like let's, yeah. let's come here let's celebrate this is about this moment, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think I think that's what we're talking about when it's moving into a place of understanding how this impacts people and then what we can do about it. And that's the action piece. Yes. Right? That's 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 going to, I got you. That's, again, yeah. I got you versus I got this. Yeah, that's, that's so know? huge because we are – and I think in athletics when we're talking about – teams of men and, and athletes are used to, I can go perform and solve this. I can go physically yeah. jump in, right? And I can yeah. overcome. I'm used to that. So when you say, I got you, I'm sure, and I've seen, I love that framing. The this is easier than the you because the you sometimes, I'm not sure what you need from me, Jeff. I, I want to say I got you. What does that mean? Because if I just have to yeah. sit here and support, I don't know how to do that really well, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, that's huge. Do, do you find some of this with your work, um, with the language and the verbiage, you know, compassion, empathy, all these things that we know is so important and might be really foreign to men. And yeah. even like, you know, they get the, what, what'd you say? Even they, they, they bristle up even when we use certain words. Do you, do you find that? How do you navigate that? I think that's a big thing is that for a lot of this, right? Cause we might not have the language to describe it, but we can, we know what's going on. Right, we understand what's going on. Like, there's a clip I showed a lot in my talks back in the day. It's a little dated now, but from The Sopranos. Okay. And really quickly, there was a moment where Tony had been shot. So Tony Soprano, if you haven't watched the series, he's like, you know, like for folks who haven't heard, watched it, he's the don of this New Jersey crime mob, and uh, he was shot. He's back on the job, and they got this young Italian dude to be his driver and his kind of like bodyguard, mm -hmm. and he's this young fit. You know, and Tony's feeling very weak and vulnerable because he's like just back from having been shot. He's not, he's like, he is known as this strong bull. But, and he has to maintain that kind of like, that that fear yeah. for that idea of power to work, that that kind of hierarchy. But in, in, in everyday moments, he's realizing how weak he feels and everyone's treating him. They're like, they're being very soft with him. Like they're checking with him like, is everything okay, boss? Like, you know, can I get you something? Like, you know, and and, and sometimes they're actually not really paying as much attention to him. They're mm -hmm. not really showing him the fear that they used to. Yeah. So in this moment, he's like, what do I do? I got to do something to establish myself. So in front of, in the lunchroom, in front of everybody, he beats up this kid. He punches him out. And then the kid, like, he wants to, he could probably take him out, but he's like, yeah. I can't beat up the Don, right? Right. So he takes his lumps. And then they show Tony go off into the bathroom and he's like throwing up blood because he's just like, he's still not healed yeah. from his wounds. But it shows him like with this big smile on his face and he's just like a kid because it's like, this is an example of like, he has to do something violent to quickly establish power. Uh-huh. Right? Because uh -huh. like, 
as men, we're tied. Our whole value is tied to holding power. We need to feel powerful. I'm the man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to be LeBron on yeah. the court, right? I don't want to be the other player. I want right. to be the one, you know. But even LeBron will tell you, like, it's obviously he's the go-to guy, but it's not going to work unless we're a team and everyone's mm-hmm. doing the things we need to do. But, you know, like, for him, it's kind of like, again, this idea of I need to establish that I'm the man, and we all feel that. And if we don't feel like we're the man, if we don't feel power, we feel powerless. Yes. And that could be a place where we feel shame. We feel very, we can be very vulnerable and we can be very dangerous. Right? Mm-hmm. So rather than thinking I need to establish my identity quickly through power, so violence, it's like, how can I establish my identity in other ways? You know, so when I play that clip, people relate to, they might not have been in a situation like that, or they might have been, Yeah. you know, where they're at the bar and they beat up somebody for no reason, or a fight happens for, for, for no reason, but the real reason is that it's all about egos, it's about fragility, and it's about kind of that thing, right? So yeah. that language might go over people's heads, but when you break it down, oh, I got what you're saying, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. So the trick is to try to help people relate. Yeah, that, I, I think that goes back to you as a weaver again. So, like, current media, digestible stuff that you know your audience is, understands maybe better than just a straight lecture from you. And I think that's why yes. I, you, you, all, some of your stuff is so great. Um, one of the things you mentioned earlier, uh, you were talking about the bar. Um, one of the things that I was drawn to and has shared with some coaches that we work with is when you mentioned what courage looks like. And it's not courage to tell a group of women that you're an ally. It, like you mentioned, it was a courage to tell a group of men. So speak on that, because I think obviously the locker room connection speaks to me. You mentioned that earlier, but other areas where the group of men is really the scary place. Uh, yes. and, and so talk yes. to that. Where do folks find that courage? Just expand on that, because that was such a huge. That was a great post. Well, you know, I, th- I think that I think that you know, as, as a man who is striving to be an ally, and again, striving is saying this is something I'm working on. I'm trying to achieve that goal. You know, allyship is not something. That I can. Oh, there's my my cat. Oh, don't worry. My dog's about to make an appearance, so don't worry. (laughs) So it's like it's like it's this moment where you know you want to do your thing, you want to help out, um, you want to try to find out what it is to be an ally and support. But it's thinking about what your intentions are, you know, why you want to do this, you know, and and the impact that you have. So. I say that it's easier. So, for so for example, the bar scenario, mm-hmm. right? A man can go up to a bunch of women and say, "Well, you know, I'm an ally, or I'm, you know, a male ally, or I'm, you know, I'm all about you know these issues." To me, that's not as impressive as doing it to a group of men. And so, again, this isn't about bravado or whatever. I'm not using that language. But what I'm saying is that ally, being an ally, is something that people will call you. Mm-hmm. Right, so that, that group of women will call you an ally for the way you carry yourself at the bar, or you know, in these different spaces. Right, and it doesn't mean that you have to always be rushing in to help or support. Yeah. it's just your energy, it's your vibe, it's the way you carry yourself. You know, so going up to a bunch of men and saying, you know, I listen, I these issues matter to me or what, what women are going through. Like you need to think about this, mm-hmm. all those different things. To me, it's more impressive because it's, it's saying it to a group of men where on the surface, there isn't a real exchange. Like I'm not going to get, I'm risking social credit mm-hmm. 
capitalism. My status with my group, yeah. And that's everything, right? Right. So I, I get that, right? So, but the reality is that in that group of men, there are men that will respect you for speaking up and saying the right thing. Yeah. You know, they will. Yeah. You know? um, so it's, it's really recognizing that it's about taking the moment to define who I am, but you define it by your actions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's to that group that's marginalized. It's I define it by my actions. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking to my fellow peers, I can say I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to be an ally, right? Here's what it looks like. Here's the ways, you know, that it, that looks, right? Yeah. So it's it's not it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy to step up and but courage, you know, right? And, yeah. yeah. And sometimes there's a day we have more of it than we than other days, right? What? How Absolutely. do you, you know, as a, as a person of color, and I appreciate you sharing your personal stories with us earlier. When did you see so, or maybe you always were? I know for me, I'm disappointed in some of my previous curriculum rollouts because I think I missed opportunities to weave the racial oppression into the gender oppression stuff that I was that I felt more of an expert lane in. Even though I am a person of color, I didn't. I don't think I did a good enough job weaving those concepts and showing the intersections. Mm. How have you tried to approach that? I mean, it's like you mentioned before. Right now, it's all over the news, but it's not a new issue. It's not like this just started happening. It's been hundreds and hundreds of years of this. So how have you addressed those two coinciding with each other throughout your work? Well, you know, like when it comes to, again, my, my focus is on the conversation of gender and our ideas of manhood, you know, a man is like, it's a million different things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a million different ideas and ways of being a man and different identities that we carry as men. And if you're a man of color, if you're a black man, if you're an indigenous man, you know, you're a man from wherever you are around the world, that racial component, that's a big part of it too. So I describe our journey towards being a man are, are is like, I call it the ladder of manhood. It's a ladder that we're trying to climb. So, you know, from birth, you're on this journey, and eventually at a certain point, you know, you're about five or six years old, you're taught that being a man is, you need to be the solution, not the problem. You need to have all the answers, you need to have all game, mm-hmm. right? You don't need help. Right. And and so you're trying to climb to the top of that ladder. And it's, it's like a mirage, because there's only a handful of men that get to that top of that ladder of all power, all respect, and all these different things. You think of like, for the for example, the film Scarface, it's a classic example money power respect yep. like first you get the money then you get the power then you get the respect and you get the woman and this, this is like it looks different in different cultures but we all speak the same language yeah like that's the goal right but if you're a man of color where are you on that ladder right so you're further back down like you think of racial injustice mm-hmm. in the states like back in the 60s there were black men carrying signs saying i am a man mm-hmm. and we're still saying that today right yep. so it's like it's it's i am a human being I am of value. So what's tied to that is that if, again, like I said before, my value, my identity as a man is tied to the power I hold, the power I can demonstrate, or the power I can produce, right? So it's like, that's your status, and that means everything to us. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so fragile, like you need to protect it like a house of cards, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So your identity, your status. So if you get rejected once, it feels like the whole thing is going yeah. to fall apart, uh-huh. right? That's why, you know, for hetero guys, when they get turned down by a woman, it's like the whole house of cards falls apart, mm-hmm. right? And they quickly need to power up the defense. Yeah. They call her a, you know, call her a derogative term or a phrase, 
or a f- rejection like you know failure in in the world of sports. Oh, I was just gonna say to you, it makes me think of even more so being aware of guys who's you as a coach, you give them a lesser role. They're not the starter anymore. They're not the leading yeah. scorer anymore. Yeah. And the challenge of just what you said, their whole identity has been built in with everything else in their life was struggling, but they were the, the top scorer on the court. So there's that house of cards you're speaking about. And then I'm the one that ta- has to take that away. The reactions, I get it. You know what I mean? You see it even more so in this lens. But what you're doing is you're building really quick. You're taking away that fragile idea of who you are. And you're putting in a real foundation. Mm-hmm. This is what it means to be a man. Yeah, it's stepping into your vulnerability to find your strength. It's like here's what I need to work on. These things I've been avoiding, like my weaknesses. Yep, I work and address those. That becomes my strength. That I can do that. That's so, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, really quick, like when you think about this idea, like for black men, if you're lower on the ladder, you've got to quickly climb that ladder. So you got to be hyper masculine. You got to be extra tough, extra hard, or you got to be twice as better than everyone else. You mm. work harder, and then you take it on the other side. Think of people of other genders. Think of women. So think of black women. Where are they on the ladder, the social status ladder? Mm-hmm. They're pretty much at the bottom of that that ladder. Yeah. So they are seen as less than and devalued, right? Yeah. And the the challenge is that we as men will use women as the rungs on our ladder, mm. right? We use them as the stepping stone. Yes. So that's how that all comes yeah. together. Such a know? good point. Such yeah. a good point. Where, and before we take our next break, I wanted to touch on this because of where I found you on social media. How, do, I think it's, there's some great parts about social media, right? Instant access to information flow, connection. Look at us, we're Zooming together. You're in Toronto, yeah. I'm on the West Coast. But also, yeah. I mean, one of the tricks we view, it's not even a trick, it's a strategy, is anything posted in, the, in like an ally's post, whether it's a woman or a man, if we show our team the comments on Twitter or Instagram underneath that post, we get a slice of humanity that's really gross. So speak to me how, about the, how we treat one another online, how you've tried to use your social media platforms, just that whole, and we're in a digital age with some of the same issues that have always affected us. How, how does that all mix in? It's, it's a real challenge, right? Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not always good at it either. Like, I can get into that place where I'm aggressive or my anger comes to the surface. And I think there's righteous, justifiable anger, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. Yeah. For example, we talked about black women. I mean, my God, they have every reason to be angry. And that angry, anger can show up online and in interactions, right? The reality is that I think the way we have conversation is so messed up right now you know it's like you 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 sit down across like a literal table or the social media table Mm -hmm. with someone right um and so both people sit down and already it's kind of like you treat it like it's those lines in the sand it's me against you so our mentality is even before you open your mouth or i read your tweet my my mentality is i'm right you're wrong Mm. Let's go. Let's yeah. have this conversation. Yeah. Right? Rather than thinking about it as like, you know, how can I learn? Where can I grow? How can we find middle ground? A conversation can be collaborative, you know, it can be about building connection. Now I'm not I'm not saying sit down I'm not saying sit down and have a warm conversation with the Nazi. I'm not saying that, right? <laughs> right. What I'm saying is that, you know, for example, there might be a guy in your life that um, has really harsh, strong views that are based on hate 
I'm not. I don't believe anyone's a lost cause, but I also believe you need to choose your battles. Mm-hmm. I think that person might one day have an awakening moment, but it's not up to you necessarily. It's not necessarily your job. Yeah. Now, if I'm a white man and I have a white friend who's that way, I might take more time to think about how I can drop a seed of wisdom, and maybe hopefully that person will take it. But more often than not, there's guys that we know who aren't that extreme or hardcore. But just have attitudes or opinions or behaviors or beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's our responsibility, rather than just kind of delete them or cut them off social media. It's kind of how can I reach out and just talk to them and create middle ground? Yeah, you know, because if I don't, who will? Yeah, because the way we have the conversation is either going to push them further, deeper into yes. that world, or it opens the door to bring them in. And I think I describe it as like changing lanes, right? So it's like you know the lanes on on the road. There's the dotted lane, mm-hmm. there's that solid line. Yeah. So so it's like it's like I'm trying to get you to come over to my lane. They're trying to get me to come over to their lane, right? Yeah. You know? So if we were two if we're two men talking and I'm like, listen, gender equality. He's like, nah, man, it's about men. Like these women are all up to get us. It's their fault, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of so he's like three or four lanes over from me. Right. right. So if I go and I create a solid line. I might do that because his attitudes are so harmful. Like, they might be harmful towards me. Mm-hmm. They might be harmful towards people I love. So, yes, there's some non-negotiables. I'm not going to tolerate you causing me harm. Yeah. Speaking hatred against people I love, blah, 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 all these different things. But beyond that, I think if we create a, a, a dotted line, it's saying, I'm inviting you to come over to this lane. You, it's up to you. But mm-hmm. the way I carry myself, the way I handle myself, the way I even handle that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, I might leave that person thinking, huh, there's something about this dude, yeah. you know, or something about the way he carries himself. Like, I really respect that. And it opens the door to potentially him changing. Yeah. Even if it's not all the way to your fourth lane, he got over into that next one. Oh, I love that yeah. analogy. Yeah. 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 So it's like, what am I doing to make sure he stays all the way in that lane? And that's not your, that's, again, that's not your job, not your responsibility. But I, get, I think there are ways in which we can leave an impact on one another mm-hmm. and still stand your ground, yeah. still believe what you believe and right. show up for the consequences. That you I really liked your beginning of this, too, when you mentioned the table of conversation. It used to be back and forth, you and me in the space. In social yeah. media, it's almost like there's dark plexiglass. We can't see who's on the other side. I know yeah. I fall into the trap of... That there's a message that comes from the other side of the table, and it's, it's one message, one troll, one comment, and I hear it as a legion of conservative right wing thinkers. And it might just be yeah. one human, but I That's know, right. right? I blow it up into they're everywhere. They're all they're all against you know. I so I think there's a danger. I love that analogy because that's what I'm taking. I might pull that plexiglass back, and it's only one person. It's not that's the ten thousand. Right. People in clan sheets that I'm envisioning in my head. That's right. The let's take a break. We'll be right back. This has been great. Before we get back to the show, we want to encourage all of our listeners to seek out ways each of you can actively participate in dismantling systems of oppression and to avoid the comfort of silence. All right, we're back. 
Uh, greats this is our last segment. So excited to be having this conversation with at Higher Unlearning, Jeff Pereira. Man, this has been awesome. I wanted to address the, not the elephant in the room, it's on the globe, the pandemic, you know, where you and I joked when we first got on on the Zoom, like it's really hard to ask each other how you're doing in the middle of the greatest pandemic in the last, you know, century. So talk to me, where does your work, where have you seen things? What's taken up your time during this? What have you heard from men? Because I know me, I mean, I read a quote, I think it was from the Calm app. And it said, the cause of all of society's ills is men being unable to sit in a room by themselves in quiet. And I know that's me. I really find stillness in activity and that's not possible right now, right? So tell me, let's go down. What have you been dealing with? What are you hearing from men in relation to the pandemic on them? So much, man. I think there's so much. Because, like, you know, earlier on this year, we all know, like, we all remember, like, it all of a sudden went into lockdown. And, mm -hmm. like, you know, whether or not your community took it as seriously or your state or what have you, I think we all knew worldwide and different. Like, you know, here in Canada, we... Thankfully, you know, as a whole, we took it a lot more seriously uh, and we, we kind of shut it down. And, you know, the challenge was for a lot of men, like you said, that meant stepping off the kind of circus wheel mm -hmm. of work or the chaos in our lives. That sometimes we, we stay busy mm -hmm. to avoid dealing. Oh, with for sure. Yes. So now you just, we can't, everything came to a standstill and now everything, whoop caught up with us, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's looking at us in the mirror and that we had to deal with it. One of the things I talk to men is about is, you know, avoid the virus but not your fields. Mm, you know? That's, like that's you gotta, great. You gotta, you gotta lean into it, right? You gotta lean into it. And I think that part of the challenge is like for a lot of men who are isolating alone, um, I think it was even harder because it's they don't have someone to talk to you, obviously, on the surface. But the deeper thing is the emotions they're going through, what they're feeling, the anxieties, the pressures, wrestling with all those things that things like we said that they've been avoiding right and then i think the other side of it is people who've been isolating with others so you know your kids will get on your nerves more than ever your, your partner might get on your yes. nerves way quicker more than ever and it's like it, that's understandable but yeah. i think the thing is recognizing when those feelings are coming up for you and then doing something about it and i have a quick yeah. a quick analogy of that absolutely so early in the pandemic our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, um, he's a man who is not all you know fully beloved as any leader is in the nation, but he's a guy who is you know he's seen as like a handsome, younger, more kind of like you know suave guy. Mm -hmm. His father was Prime Minister before, so he kind of comes from a lineage like a kind of almost like a royal family in our yeah. country, you know. So there are people that that love him for that, and there are people that hate him for that. Like that, he's like he is this kind of modern masculinity right he's he's someone who is identified as a feminist he's someone who's also like he used to box mm. right so <laughs> yeah anyway right so 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 there's this moment where you know when uh, when the pandemic was in the early stages he would do press conferences from outside of his house and at one point you know he his wife contracted uh covid so they were isolated super isolated right so he, the media would be far away and he'd be in front of his house. He'd step outside, do the press conference for the day, mm -hmm. go back in. And the whole nation kind of sat on the edge of their seats watching to be like, what's the update? What do we do? What's going on? Like, you need that leadership, right? So there's one moment where he went out there and, you know, it, it gets cold up here. So <laughs> this was in March, right? Yeah. And he's, he's out there and he's in a suit, but he's not wearing a jacket. 
So he does his his press update, and it's about and now he's done. He's about to go into the Q and A with the media, and he pauses and he awkwardly says, "You know, I, I got a model uh, healthy behavior, so I'm just going to run inside and get my coat." <laughs> and so it's like it's literally right there. Yeah, he has to go up like six steps behind the door grab the coat, put it on, come back out. Yeah. But you know what it's like. Like when you're like the entire nation is watching uh-huh. live. Yes. Coast to coast. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're on the you're on the court. You're on the field. Like he's in that moment. And he took that moment and said, I'm feeling cold right now. Uh admitted I'm so, yeah. his body. But if I if I do something, I'm gonna look like a you know, mm. I'm gonna look like enter all those kind of yep. homophobic sexist terms. Yep. Soft, sissy and worse. But I got to model better behavior. I'm a role model. And then I need to take care of myself, too. I'm a uh-huh. father. I take care of my wife and kids. Since my wife is sick, I don't have it yet. I'm not, I'm yeah. not positive. But uh, I got I to show up for my job. Blah, blah, blah. And I just want to be able to do my best so I can sit here and answer these questions and not be, like, inside me. Yeah. Like, Are we done? <laughs> yes. Up. Yeah. So he's like, I got to get the, go get my coat. And yeah. Ran upstairs. And the, I remember the, the press, the, 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 the anchor covering was like, oh, okay, so he seems to be going, like, kind of out of going to get his coat. Okay, he's back. Yeah. And that was it. Right. So the example of, like, in the moment, what am I feeling? What can I do about it? Name what you're feeling. Uh, oh, what do I do about it? I have to get a coat. Name what I'm feeling. I'm really angry at my kid right now. But I'm like, I'm, I never get angry like this. Yeah. Really, it's everything else. You're about to deserve yeah. This is the, the, the blow. The yes, blow yes. What can I do about it? Take a break. Step back. You know, take a, take a moment to exhale. Or even tell your kids, like, hey, I need, right now, you know, dad is just, I need a second. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been really hard. Like, I don't need to always model that I've always got it. Yes. Like, hey, right now, it's like, I need to take a second. Or even just in general, it's not your kids like that uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. that, that's a hard one, right, for dads? So dads are supposed hard. to. I'm supposed to know it all. It's kind of. I talk to my players about the Batman complex. Mm-hmm. I should know it all because I'm the world's smartest. And if I don't know it, I can punch my way through it because I'm also Batman. And I. So I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure in your work, you've seen some of this, and we want that in all these scenarios. We teach them in their first instinct. Well, I punch that dude, coach. No, you wouldn't. Please stop. That's right. That's right. So I think. I think really quickly, what we can do as men. I think it's building, working together to build what I call emotional muscle. Mm. So think of like, you know, like young girls are raised, and that's not true of all young women, and young boys are as well, and people like of all different identities. But more often than not, young girls are given a baby doll. So they're taught to take care of others before they can take care of themselves, right? And they're encouraged to develop their emotional muscle. Mm-hmm. So emotionally, they're like growing and growing. But for boys, our emotional muscle gets cut or stunted at like 10 yeah. or 11. We take away the teddy bear and it's like, now you got to be a man and da, da, da. So you have young women and women who have been going to the emotional gym, if you will, yeah. since they're kids. So in their 20s and 30s and 40s, they're emotionally jacked, right? But here we are stuck at the age of 12 or 14 sometimes and we're in our 20s and 30s. So when it comes, an issue comes up, it's kind of like, like, you know, for example, you get into a relationship it's like you're going to the gym together emotionally. Mm. Now we're going to work together. We're going to work on issues and go through things. Yeah. 
So it's like we go to the gym emotionally. A lot of women will go to like the real section, uh-huh. like with the old school way, uh-huh. clang clang, yeah, right? the dirty musky. Uh-huh. Like that's, that's where it gets done. But we're kind of like in the other section with the latest equipment, uh-huh. and all like you know, and we kind of stand there, we look around, we're like, oh, okay, um, what do I do? I sit on this? What do I do? We don't even have a tech. We don't know the technique to use. Yeah, and she she's killing it. <laughs> she's got to try to help you catch up to her level. But then she's also dealing with stuff on a level where, you know, as 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 a partner, we want to work and support them, but we need to work on ourselves first, right? And not all men are like this. I don't want them to say that right. men are all like this way. But I think more men have their emotional muscles or atrophy, mm. so we can go to the gym together. We can spot each other as men. That's having conversations. Yeah. You know? Hey, like I really lost it with my kids today. Like I almost snapped. And hey, but you know what? I did the other day too. This this pandemic is driving us mm-hmm. up the wall, man. We gotta like, you know. So what do you do? So we, now we're having that conversation. What do you do when you get into that place? Here's what I did. You know? Right. Here's what I'm learning. Like I don't. I just, and then you're having that real conversation. You're building that emotional muscle. Mm-hmm. So now you're not relying on your partner to do all that work with you, right? Yeah. So I think the other thing too is like there's also emotional muscle memory we can build, right? So it's kind of like we keep working those muscles. Like you do a routine. Like physical, physical muscles, you do a routine, your body, your muscles get into that routine. So we can do things like meditating, like having conversations, like checking in with each other, you know, mm-hmm. and that becomes like muscle memory for us. So where we, we crave it and we need it. And it's not about we, being weak, man. Like it's, that's real strength to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, dive in and talk about it. I'm not shaming guys who have trouble talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can work together, like I said, to spot each other. That's and such build a good one. that kind of ability. Yeah. Know? Oh, I love that analogy. And once again, you're doing what you, what you told us about is is your specialty. Is a it, I think that analogy helps guys see it better. Like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I would never go into a weight room if I was. I would, I want to be able to go in there and do the right sets, the right reps, and have a, right. and not be the right. guy in the corner. That's phenomenal. Right. Before I let you go, how do people continue to follow you? As besides social media, we've talked about higherunlearning.com. What what's next for you? Where are you headed? Give us all the ways and we'll obviously do it on the when we post the episode too, all the ways, but this has been fantastic. How can people that get excited and hear your words get more? I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you and chat and talk and build um, so higherunlearning.com. You can also Jeff Pereira. It's J E F F P E R E R A. That's me on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you know all the different the all the platforms. yeah every platform. <laughs> I've written a couple of pieces for HuffPost, and so uh, I'm going to hopefully continue to do that. And I'm I'm working. I've been working on a bunch of new pieces that hopefully will be coming out uh, the end of this year um, or the fall and towards the end of the year as well. Um, I'm I'm also you know, chipping away at a book. So oh wow! That's, Congratulations, that's, that's yeah, awesome. That will we'll see how that goes. Like it's yeah. it's it's a slow journey, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah. we'll get there, man. It's but, awesome. And uh, yeah, talks and if people want to, you know, for a virtual talk, I, I can obviously do that for you as well. And, you can find out more about all these things on, the, again, Iron Man. And we'll be sure, and uh, if you follow us, Cross the Streams podcast or at teams underscore men, we, we utilize and, and retweet a bunch of Jeff's stuff. He's a constant source. We've tagged you expert in the field, um, and hopefully everyone listening today understands why he's definitely earned that. Thank you, man. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Content Reminder.
The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests. 